This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's season two, it's episode 45. Cubs own the O's. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram. And fly the W on Facebook or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. Crawley, before we get started, I want to make sure all the dads out there that subscribe and listen want to wish everybody a happy Father's Day, and I wish you a happy Father's Day as well. Well, thank you, Dustin. Happy Father's Day to you and to all our listeners out there. It's uh, Hopefully everyone had a good day, man. Hopefully it was it was a fun time. I know in, in Myrtle Beach, the weather's been beautiful. I, I heard in Chicago the weather was beautiful. So the weather's great. Yeah, the weather's absolutely great. Can't complain, man. Nope, no complaints. No complaints. And uh, we really can't complain overall about the Cubs. They've uh, been hosting the uh, Orioles uh, the last couple of days. And based on the title, Cubs own the Orioles. Things went pretty good for our favorite baseball team, but let's start moving back to a day game on Friday afternoon. Kyle Hendricks on the mound for the Cubbies, Crowley. Yeah, the Cubs won this one 10 to three. It was the first start for Hendricks since he almost threw that no hitter against the Giants. He, he wasn't as sharp as he was that day. He went five innings. He gave up two runs on five hits with one K through 88 pitches. That was uh, Kyle's 10th career interleague victory, which is third most in Cubs franchise history behind John Lester with 16 and Jake Arrieta with 13. Luckily, the Cubs didn't need Hendricks to be on his best game as the offense continued to rake. Oof. Fulmer and Kay looked good out of the pen. Assad went two innings, gave up three hits and one runs with two Ks, and that run was in garbage time, so it didn't really matter. But the story of the game was definitely offense. In the third inning, Miguel Amaya, Dansby Swanson, and Christopher Morrell all hit solo home runs. Uh, Swanson and Morell, I believe, was back to back, and that would and uh, what would Cubs would uh, what would a Cubs game be lately without a monster inning? This time it was a six, as the Cubs scored six runs. Happ and Horner and Suzuki hit RBI singles. Morell drove in two runs with a double. The Cubs offense scored ten runs on twelve hits, three home runs. They drew five walks and went five for twelve with runners in scoring position. Yes, that's yes, what that's what we're talking about, Crowley. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Cooking here. Horner went two for five. Morrell three for five with a homer and three RBIs. And Trey Mancini went two for two. But Dustin, let's talk about Morrell. Since June 9th, Morrell is batting 440 with just two strikeouts to 11 hits. 
So he's dropped his strikeout rate down to 29.2. That that really was the key number. The Cubs wanted his strikeout rate under 30%, and that's where he is right now. He ranks first in slugging percentage with 709 and second in OPS, 1.063 among MLB hitters with at least 100 plate appearances. And like I said, Dustin, I mean, just looking at the kid and, and what he has done, I mean, you know, he was clearly disappointed um, not making the team out of spring training, but the Cubs had a plan for him. And I think a lot of times people kind of get mad, but they made adjustments and they had things that they worked on with him. And I think what you're seeing is that's what is kind of paying off right now. Absolutely paying off. No doubt about it. They, they've they uh, given him time. They've stuck with him. They've believed in him. Now, Crowley, you just got to find a regular spot for him, right? Because the bat's too hot to take it out of the lineup. But again, there's th- that's why MLB now has a DH. You know what I mean? We don't have to use yeah. catchers all the time. We can actually use a guy who could actually hit. Now, whether, you know, he may be one of those guys that likes to play rather than just hit. But right now, most home runs, Cubs in first 29 games of a season since 1906. You had Gabby Hartnett with 12 amazing. in 1925. Absolutely. It's, it's just amazing. Yeah. Right. Hank Sauer with 12, Billy Williams with 12, and Christopher Morrell with 12. The most home runs in the first 29 games of a season was Sammy Sosa with 13. So when you're talking about Sosa and Williams, and, and I know maybe some of our listeners aren't as familiar with Hank Sauer. He was just an incredible – he was an MVP for the Cubs – in the 1950s. So, I mean, what he's doing is just kind of video game stuff. And, and, and if you don't want to go all the way back to Hank Sauer in the 1950s, this graphic for anyone that's subscribed to the scores, uh, YouTube channel, we're on that. Now you could take a look, but the most home runs since May 9th, when Christopher Murrell got called up, Shohei Otani has 15, Aaron judge, 13, old cub, Jorge Soler, 13, and then Christopher Morel's right there with J.D. That's Martinez crazy. at That's 12. That's absolutely crazy. That's crazy. It, 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 it's, it, I really am happy for him. And I think this almost shows, I think, for the people out there, and I was one of them, I'll raise my hand, guilty. This is probably why they started him down in the minors like they did. I think they really got his confidence going. He got at bats right away all the time built that confidence up. And since he's came here, he's been really, really good. And not only that, they made adjustments to his swing where they put his hands. And I really felt like it's paid off. I, I like I said, they got a great hitting instructor and in John Maley down at AAA. Uh, he was the Cubs hitting coach in 2016 when they won it all. So the guy knows what he's talking about. So um, just great, you know, and, and, and so that was an exciting game. And, and, you know, that was coming off a pirate series where they were scoring more than 10 runs, but that offense kind of disappeared, Dustin, in game two a little bit. Yeah, a little uh, bit. But it was the return of Justin Steele, so that was great news. Great, great news. It was Steele versus Kyle Gibson. And uh, everyone knew Steele would be on a pitch count, right? But he looked pretty solid in his return. Steele would, went five innings. He gave up five hits, two runs, one walk, and four Ks. The only blemish in the game for Steele came in the fifth when Austin Hayes hit a two-out single. And then Adley Rushman homered. And again, you don't get mad because that's what that guy does. He's a power bat. But that ended Steele's streak of 53 innings without allowing a home run. That was the longest in the majors before Rushman hit that home run. So good to see Steele out there. That's all I'm going to say. I was happy about it, and hopefully he can continue to build up his strength. 
Yep. Other than that home run, you know, I, I really was liking what I was seeing. Um, the bullpen was warming up right before he threw that. So they knew that it was getting close, but uh, they wanted to they wanted to leave him in there a little bit longer. And luckily, uh, the Cubs would go on to uh, some good things in this one, Crowley. Yeah. Unfortunately, Kyle Gibson was able to tame the Cubs offense that had been so explosive. The Cubs caught a break with two outs in the third when with one out, Jan Gomes struck out, but the pitch bounced off and ricocheted off the catcher, and Holmes and Gomes hustled the first. So that was the first base runners the Cubs had for the day was on a strike three that bounced away from the catcher. Yeah. Then Miles Masterboni grounded out, so so Gomes was out at second, Masterboni at first. You know, and, and and he's fast, and that Mike Talkman, the Palatine Pounder, the pride of Palatine, he's going to walk, and then Nico hit a double to center, bounced over the center fielder's head. And then it bounced up and it hit the middle of the basket and then stayed in play. We talked on the last episode, Dustin. I feel like the Cubs are finally catching some yes. breaks, right? Yes, indeed. You did. You did say that. I agreed with you and you're right. Yep, they are. Because if that ball goes into the bleachers, it, it, it's only one run that scores. But because it bounced back into play, both runs scored. And so that, that ended up being huge. Uh, the game was tied on the Rushman home run on the top of the fifth. We talked about that, but in the bottom of the fifth, Jan Gomes led off the inning with a double. Master Boney hit a sack bunt to move him to third, and Talkman hit a sack fly. The Cubs lead three to two, and that's how it would end. The offense had only four hits and two walks, only six total base runners, one for four with runners in scoring position. But to me, obviously, still coming back is big. But I thought the bullpen, right? These, this is one of the games in the past where, you you know, you get a lead and then you, you, got, you have to bullpen, hold it for four innings. Not a problem. No uh, problem. Julian no. Mer Merriweather went one inning. Mark Leiter went two. And then Adbert Alzelay closed it out with two strikeouts. Julian Mer Merriweather extended his scoreless streak to 10.2 innings, the longest mark of his career. He is definitely in David Ross's circle of trust on that one. That's a good way to put it in, in his circle of trust. Crowley, I know you're on the road. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So I don't know if you caught it. I was on the road myself in the car listening to Pat and Ron and Zach. Did you hear about the umps not knowing what the count was and of having course, to go that, to New that's York? A, that's CB. <laughs> so that's CB Buckner. Okay. And, and, and here's the thing I'm going to tell you is that CB Buckner, Angel Hernandez has not been calling games this year. So right. CB Buckner's up there as one of the he's worst. The new, he's the new, yeah, he's getting the he's the new guy. Yeah. Uh -huh. He's always been bad, but when you had Angel Hernandez, you know, at least it could kind of look away somewhat. But but yeah, CB Buckner lost lost the count in the ninth inning. And it's just like they had to replay all the pitch sequence. The guy is just awful. I, if you go to my Twitter at Crawley's Cubs, I always tweet the umpire scorecards. It's one of my favorite Twitter sites. And they kind of just give you a report card on how the umps did. And CB Buckner is one of the worst umps. He just is. Yeah, that was kind of weird. And we were they they were doing a good I'm driving, right? So I can't see anything, but they were doing a great job describing what was going on as they always do. And I was a little bit worried that Adbert was going to get thrown off a little bit because he was in such a good rhythm. That was a great save by Adbert Alzale. That was fantastic. He was he was pumped up, man. I just love the kid's energy. You yeah. know, so you're talking about a circle of trust, right? I mean, he is definitely he is definitely the guy now. He's that ninth inning guy, no doubt about it. Right. You're you're starting to figure it out. You, again, you you have Merriweather's doing really well. The whole bullpen has performed well during this um during this stretch this run of wins that the Cubs had went on. And that's the thing. We've talked about runners in scoring position and we talked about the bullpen and and with those being positive with both of those things being positive lately, that's why the Cubs have been able to run off that winning streak. 
No doubt about it. So that's five in a row now, Crowley, right? Five in a row after Saturday's win. Right. And so that takes us to game three, Jamison Tyone versus Dean Kremer. The Cubs will lose this one six to three, so no sweep. But you know what, man? The Orioles are a really, really good team. We talked about it. They, they are second in the AL East, which is a really tough division, and they have been playing great ball. And so I, they're still, even after everything that happened, I want to say they're still seven and three in their last 10, even though they lost two to the Cubs. So they are a really good team. And so to accept, expect a sweep would have been really tough. I was really happy with two out of three. Extremely but, happy. Extremely happy with that. After game two, though, I was worried because even though the Cubs won that game, you saw some of the negative issues with the Cubs offense pop up. In game three, it got even worse. Mike Talkman started out the game with the leadoff home run to put the Cubs up one to nothing. His homer came immediately after he threw out Austin Hayes at home plate at the top half of 10, the top half of the first. So I just know Pat, he's always talks about, you know, you make that great defensive play. You usually make a good offensive play when you come up. So that was awesome. He's Dan's been so good too. I mean, you know, the Palatine Pounder. He has been so so good. I thought he looked good. I remember being out in spring training, and I'm like, man, I, I'm like, I didn't even know Talkman was still in the league, and I'm like, this guy looked all right. I was kind of surprised when he didn't make it out. I remember, say I had that yeah. uh, oblique, and I thought I remember the you Talkman saying that. I remember it. you were talking. You were talking to him back then. You were. Yeah, he he looked really good, and he was in a, and they played him a lot too. They were definitely giving him a look. So, you know, he's done great. And so Dansby also had a single in the first, but for the rest of the game, the Cubs only have one hit after the first inning down two to one in the fourth and two outs. Cody Bellinger reached on a fielding error by right fielder, Ryan O'Hearn. Originally that was called a triple, but the score changed that to an error. But Christopher Morrell had a two run homer. So this guy, again, to put the Cubs up three to two video game stuff, like you said, video game stuff. Right. And, but unfortunately that was the last hit the Cubs would have on the day, three runs on three hits, two of them home runs, two walks, 11 K's and one for five with runners in scoring position. Now on the pitching side, Jameson Tyone took the loss. He's doing okay up until the fourth inning with Anthony Santander gave up, uh, hit a home run off him to tie the game at one Tyone then gave up a single walk the next batter and gave up another single to Ramon Udias that put the Orioles ahead two to one but got out of the inning by getting Adam Frazier to line out, and then Nico and Dansby turned a nice double play to limit the damage. But he, Tyone came out in the fifth. Everything was fine, but in the sixth inning, things fell apart. He gave up a leadoff single to Ryan O'Hearn and a double to Aaron Hicks to put runners at second and third and no outs. Ramon Odias hit a sack fly to tie the game. Tyone's day was done. Lefty Anthony Kay was out of the first out of the pen. He gave up three straight singles before he was pulled and then Michael Fulmer came in and gotten out and the Cubs were down five to three. Hayden Wesniski came into the game in the seventh and pitched three innings. He gave up three hits, one run, two K's. Dustin question I had, and I, and I was wondering what your thought on this. Should Wesniski have come into the game immediately in the sixth inning? Like after Tyone was fine in the fifth, right? He struggled in the fourth. He did okay in the fifth. Were you fine with David Ross trotting him out? Or if Wesniski was going to come out of the pen, should he have maybe come out I, in the sixth? I, I agree with that with that. I, I think he should have come out in the sixth. I do, especially if they obviously had that plan going in, right? So I, I think that was a little bit of a mistake. But again, the the offense needed a little bit more, right? You're not going to win a lot of games, but uh, I think that was a mistake. I thought it was weird. Now, the Cubs did have a chance to come back in the eighth inning when with one out, Mike Bauman hit Miguel Amaya and then Nick Madrigal back-to-back hit by pitches. Talkman struck out. Um, and then what ends up happening is that pinch runner, Miles Mastroboni comes into the game to replace Amaya. 
him at Master Boney and Magical pull off a double steal. So you had runners at second and third with two outs, down five to three. Nico Horner with a chance to tie it with a single, but he grounds out to end the threat. Now, the thing that made me upset, Dustin, is that Amayo was hit on the wrist. He originally, originally stayed in the game, but was pulled for a pinch runner when Magical was hit as well. So I'm hoping it was just a strategic move to get the speedy Master Buoni on second and that Miguel is feeling okay. After the game, David Ross said x-rays were negative on Amaya's wrist, but he will be reevaluated uh, tomorrow in Pittsburgh. But I just, I felt so bad because that kid, he has battled through so many injuries. Three, four years ago, he was one of the Cubs' top prospects. People forgot about Amaya because he right. couldn't stay healthy. Could not stay healthy. I mean, he was supposed to be the heir apparent to uh, Wilson Contreras, right? Right. And, and and him and, and, and Braylon Marquez were like the top two prospects for a while. And neither of those guys could stay healthy. Marquez still can't get healthy. And, and, and Amaya, you know, he comes in, he turns everybody's head. He can call a great game. He can hit the ball, all sorts of things he can do. You just need him to stay healthy. And this wasn't, you know, just a stupid fluke injury. This was a guy that just didn't have control. So I'm just really hoping he'll be okay. Yep. But fingers crossed on that one. Good news is the Cubs finished the six-game homestand five and one. They're seven and two in their last nine games and went from being seven and a half back to four games back. They've made up some ground, but I'm just a little nervous, Dustin. The last two games offensively, I just don't want to kind of fall back into bad habits here. You got three games in Pittsburgh this week, followed by three with St. Louis. So you have this is going to be only the second time that the Cubs are seeing other teams from the NL Central. Okay. They've now played every team in the NL Central. This is the second go-round. So the second time they're going to be facing Pittsburgh and then another three with St. Louis. So six games against the NL Central opponents. So this is where you can do your most damage, right? Absolutely. Can't wait to see what they do against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. It's episode number 45, season number two, Cubs own the O's. And Crawley, we were talking earlier about you being on the road. You're down taking a look at the Pelicans uh, minor league affiliate and uh, the Cubs minor league affiliate, the Pelicans. And uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing for those that haven't been following you on social, but that's just seeing the pictures really. Tell everybody what you've been doing down there. Yeah, it, it was an absolute blast. I talked to, you know, Sam's been on the show, Wiederhoff, who's the um, play-by-play voice. And, and at Cubs convention, I started talking with a lot of the guys down at Myrtle Beach. And they're like, well, man, come on out. We'll show you a good time. I said, all right, done. So I thought it'd be a good chance, you know, because look, man, I, you know, if my family's going to come, they're not into baseball as much as I am. So there's got to be something for them to do. So, hey, what better place than the beach? And so when we pulled up, man, it's just, it's, it's really, it's like a, a quaint, nice little ballpark, maybe about 5,000 people. And I got a picture up here of me, you know, with the entrance to the Myrtle Beach Pelicans ballpark. They got this great gift shop. And the one cool thing about the Pelicans is they have a lot of really cool alternate logos. These are the obvious shirts, you know, obviously, but, but they have a lot of cool alternate logos and crazy stuff that are out there. Um, if you have kids, they have the mascots out there. They're really great. And they have a little play park. 
uh, for the kids to play in. If you are an adult, though, they have a lot of good local beers. This is a place that they call Hops Heaven. And so, I, you know, I got to try. I had a couple of different things down there. There was the Crooked Hammock Beach Escape, which was a delicious IPA. <laughs> um, I had the Grandstand Brewing. But the thing that put really Myrtle Beach on the map that got people noticing is the beer bets. Now, obviously, this is really big at Wrigley right now. But Myrtle Beach was really uh, the first to kind of popularize these kind of beer bats. I got two of them. And if you could take, and so one of them nice. right here has one logo right here. This is the Myrtle Beach Pelican logo. The other has the Pirate Pelican. So Thirsty Thursdays, they wear these black alternate uniforms, man. They're absolutely, uh, they're really cool looking. Just, That's a cool just, hat. I like that hat. Yeah. Yeah. And see the team kind of come out there and it, it's all a little bit different, man, but it's, they just have so much to do out there and, and, and so much good food and, and and so like you can go to the right field corner and they have like this these different grills that have different items. So depending where you are, if you're like behind home plate, you know, they had all sorts of like ice cream and pizza and all this stuff, all the snacks that the kids like. Um, they had a barbecue stand. I had some good pulled pork nachos. And then in, in the right field, there's this place called the Clark and Addison uh, Grill. It's right on the right right field side. And so they have a lot of different entree items. Like there was the Buckner's beef sandwich, the Lee Arthur burger, the Grace's grilled chicken sandwich, the big daddy named after uh, Rick Russell and Sosa's turkey dog. I didn't even ask why it was the turkey dog, but then I look at the menu, right? And they have this sign out here. And one of their signature dishes is the Chicago deep dish pizza burger. <laughs> I saw you. I saw you on social <laughs> media with that, but I wanted to wait to hear it. I wanted to hear about it on the podcast. Oh yeah. So first off, it wasn't really deep dish. It was just kind of like pizzas and like with a burger in the middle. I thought it was good. It wasn't bad. I I, I, I was laughing, man. It was, it's one of those things that it was like the only rain we've had this entire time we've been here was that very first night that we got in family was tired. They wanted to unpack. I'm like, fine with me. I'm a Uber over to the ballpark. I'm over at the ballpark enjoying myself, having fun, and I ate it. It was good. I liked it. Uh, one thing that was cool is that when you're in that corner, that Clark and Addison grew, is that before the game and after the game, the players kind of come out. And so you can nice. get autographs. So if you, I have a picture up here. You can see a guy signing an autograph, and that's Rafael Morel. That's Christopher's brother making the peace sign. And, if you, if, again, if you go to the YouTube channel, looks just like Christopher. They look like identical twins. But they come out, and they're just really personable. And then over in the left field, they have a lot of great drinks. There's a, a, a bar restaurant called Riptides. It's on the boardwalk, but they also have like a little stand in there. This is a picture of me and my wife on this like giant wooden chair. And they also have a lot of places where, um, where fans can go and do like different, like, you know, if you have big groups of like a hundred, 150 people, something like that, or even like 30, 40 people, there's like a little beach on the left-hand side, which is absolutely, uh, it looked like a blast. I didn't go down there but looked like a lot of fun. And then, um, you know, one of the big cool things is they have a lot of in-game uh, different games. That's how they always do the minor leagues. And so I did compete in a chipping contest. I didn't do too well. I'm going to stick with baseball. Golf really ain't my thing. Um, but I'm not a golfer, but that's a picture of me on the field and, and chipping. And we all got, we got a couple beer koozies for it. Uh, that you know, So I did a lot on Wednesday. On Thursday, though, was a really fun day for me. I got to throw out the first pitch there, um, and and I got this great shirt that says "Beer and Baseball." 
Um, I, the, the fun thing is I actually got to kind of go up. Oh, let me, let me, let me go ahead. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to kind of try to give you some play by play here. This is just a really p quick, quick video of me throwing the first pitch at Myrtle. Oh, oh, So, you know, I got to throw the pitch. Now, I did make a mistake. What I did is I wore sandals to the game that day. I was wearing sandals all day, threw them on, which is not the greatest off the pitching mound. I will say it wasn't a strike. It was high and outside a little bit, but I didn't bounce it. So that was an absolute blast to be able to do that in front of the fans. Um, and, and that was great. And then in the, about the fourth inning, I got to go into the booth and do a little bit of play-by-play -play with uh, Sam Wiederhoff. So very, cool. very, very cool up there. And so I just, I'm just throwing out there. I don't know if Mitch Rosen listens, but if, uh, if that, you know, if one day uh, Matt Spiegel can't do the fifth inning, I'm just offering my services. I have experience now, but uh, it was cool, man. And I just made sure that I did not talk over the play. So if something happened, pause in the middle of a story. And so, you know, a lot of fun. Now, one thing that is absolutely awesome is that the, the the Myrtle Beach Pelicans have a bat dog. What is a bat dog, you ask? The player, when the when he hit, throws the bat down, the dog comes and picks the bat up. And ah, the bat nice. Okay. So this Very is another cool. one if you got the kids. This is the dog, Slider. They come out, I want to say, in the sixth inning maybe. Slider comes, and you can get a picture with Slider, the bat dog. He's a huge hit out there. And uh, – I also got to do the seventh inning stretch. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to subject our listeners to that, but uh, <laughs> I do have a picture of myself on top of the Pelicans dugout singing the stretch with all, doesn't that look like I'm singing with all my heart there, Dustin? Yes, it does. I, I'm, I'm giving it, I'm going full blast on that yeah, one. You're right? all in. I was all in. And, and, and then when the game's over, uh, like I said, you know, I, I went to two games, I saw two victories, so I was definitely excited and, you know, just looking on the field as, as the players, you know, go Cubs go. And like I said, post game, this kid right here, I saw him and he was unhittable. His name is Michael Arias. And oh my God, the guy was hitting 95, 96 on the wow. gun. And he, they just could not touch him. He's someone, this, that's the fun thing about going to these. And then another one is Moises Ballesteros. He caught that game and uh, he's a great kit catcher. Carter Hawkins was talking him up big time the other day. But that's the fun thing about going to these minor league ballparks. If you have the opportunity, I know Myrtle Beach is a little bit far away, but South Bend's not far. Myrtle Beach, like I said, I'm trying to, you know, th this is just the baseball part of my vacation. I've been on the beach. I've been at great restaurants. We we're going to aquariums. We went to an 80s rock revival show yesterday. There's so much stuff to do out here. But when you go to these minor league ballparks, you that's where you see these players, that they're not just like box scores. You get to see how they play. You get to see how they field, how they pitch, how they call a game. And, and, and it, there's just so much to it. And then as these guys start making their way up, you get excited and you have more invested. So, I mean, that's part of the reason when we started this show, I wanted to kind of make the minor leagues a part of it because it is – fun if you're a cub fan to sit there and say to yourself okay and, and and trust me you know just because a player goes up or down that's just a natural thing it doesn't mean they're a bust man but there's there's a lot of fun players to kind of to go through there and this last picture that i got here is a picture of my family 
uh, on top after the game. And so there's just a lot of fun things to do out at Myrtle Beach. And the one thing they want to do is they just want to make sure you go home with a good, you know, good time. Like I said, whether you're getting autographs, whether you're singing, dancing, playing games, getting food, drinking out of beer bats, whatever you want to do, Myrtle <laughs> Beach has it for you. And, and everyone was just so friendly and not just the employees, but like the people that were just hanging out there. There's a lot of regulars. There's a lot of tourists and, and, and every, nobody was kind of like jerky about it or, you know what I mean? Like, like nobody was like gatekeeping. Everyone's like, Hey man, welcome to Myrtle beach. Uh, absolutely. You know, have fun. They, they would give you tips like, Oh, you got to try this beer. Oh, if you go over there, that's where they got the good nachos. I had some wine slushies. I mean, just, just an absolute fun time. And, and it's like a blast. Yeah. Oh, so close to the beach. So, I mean, seriously, I, I really, if you are kind of like sitting there and trying to plan out a vacation, if you're a Cub fan, I can't recommend Myrtle Beach high enough. Very, very, very cool. All right, Crowley. Let's uh, talk a little bit about some roster moves and get previewing the uh, Pirates uh, series as the uh, Cubs are in route as we speak to Pittsburgh. couple news stories. Um, one of them uh, is exciting because I'm down here in Myrtle Beach. The Pelicans won 8-2 to two tonight. They are now your Carolina League South first half champions. The way that it works with the minor leagues is they divide the seasons in two halves. And so the winner of the first half takes on the winner of the second half. If you want, if you win the first and second half, you automatically get a buy into the next round of the playoffs. So very exciting. And, and, and for buddy Bailey and the, the team and Sam and Hunter, all the guys that I just talked about in the previous segment that made this such a great trip, what an honor to be able to win. And, and, and again, just talking about the talent coming through the Cubs system it was uh, definitely on display at Myrtle Beach. Now, you just mentioned the Pirates, and there was a story that caught my eye that I, I sat there and I just was absolutely la – I don't want to laugh because, you yeah, know – it's, it's funny, but it's not funny, right? Right. Yeah, like, like seriously, like I, I would say don't drive drunk, uh, get an Uber or whatever. But the Milwaukee we, – we, the last team the Cubs played at home before the, the Orioles – were the pirates, right? And so you have your getaway day, and then there's a bus that waits outside right field um, on Sheffield. And what ends up happening is they get on the bus, and then the police will take them because they have to catch their flight. The, the police will give them an escort to O'Hare. Well, what ends up happening is that the driver was like kind of driving away from the escort and driving erratically, driving on the shoulder. So they pull over the bus on I 94. And the driver was arrested after they observed multiple signs of impairment. So luckily nobody was hurt. Let's let, let, let's talk about that. But all I kept thinking is about was like, what was that? Where, where was that bus driver at beef? Was he a cubby bear? Was he yeah, at right. doors? What was where he was doing? He, was he, he say lounge. I have no idea what he was doing, but the one thing he will not be doing any longer in the future is driving any buses. New, 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 new. Thankfully, as you pointed out, nobody was hurt uh, in that uh, in that situation. So a couple roster moves. We talked about uh, Justin Steele being brought back up. That means somebody was um, put on the IL, and that was Patrick Wisdom. Yeah, well, what, so you had to make so, some roster moves here. So Justin Steele's activated off the 15. They put third baseman Patrick Wisdom on the 10-day IL with what is being called a right wrist sprain. Edwin Rios was moved off the IL where he was recovering from a groin sprain and he was immediately optioned to Iowa to make sure that the roster stayed at 40. 
And so, and so it's all uh, that. That's the moves that we have right now. I'm really hoping that Patrick recovers. Yeah, fingers and, crossed. That one doesn't sound real good, Crowley. That does not sound so good. A power hitter, hitter that hurts his wrist is never going to be a good thing. No, not at all. All right, so that's the roster moves. A couple little nuggets for us. Now let's uh, preview quickly Cubs Pirates. Yeah, the Cubs didn't play the Pirates for the first time until mid June. Now they play them twice within a week. I mean, I don't even, I mean, I heard Pat and Ron talking about this today. Well, can you remember the last time that the, we're, we're talking end of June, middle of June here, and this is the first time they're playing the Pirates at their park. And so, you know, the pitching was fine, but it really was the offense in that first series that was the story. The Cubs took the first game 11-3 to with Jamison Tyone taking the win and L.L. Ortiz taking the loss. Ian Happ had a three-run homer in the first, and the Cubs added eight runs between the sixth through the eighth inning. Game two saw Drew Smiley take on Oswaldo Beto. Smiley didn't have his best game, giving up a season-high three home runs, but the offense scored six runs in the sixth to give the Cubs a 10-6 win in game two. And then in the third game, it was Marcus Stroman taking on Johan Oviedo, and Stro did what he always does. He pitches a quality start. Cubs had another big inning, a five-run fifth, as Bellinger returned to the team, and the Cubs completed the sweep 7-2. to two. So when we look at the standings and uh, and take a look here, it has just been wild. Uh, just the swing, Dustin, that that's kind of occurred lately between, you know, when the Cubs were looking seven and a half out, you know, and, and you're going, oh, my God, you know, we were worried 10 under all that stuff. And then all of a sudden they, they, they you know, do really well at the end of the road trip. They took two or three. And then they came back and they they took three from the Pirates. Now another two and three from the Orioles. This was from a little bit earlier tonight, but the Cubs are four games out of first place. Pittsburgh is sinking like a stone right now. Um, we were wondering if they were going to come down to earth. It was really the Cubs, right? That that, that kind of started that downward trajectory for the uh, for the Pirates. So they're really in, in some trouble here and they just played Milwaukee and they just got swept by Milwaukee. So that's two sweeps in a row for Pittsburgh. Milwaukee has a three game winning streak and they lead Cincinnati by 0.5, but Cincinnati has an eight game winning streak. They're eight and two in their last 10. It makes that sweep by the Reds a little less painful. They just whooped on the uh, Houston Astros, the champs down in Houston, so look out for Cincy because there's no team hotter in baseball than them yeah, right now. They're playing really, really well. The Pirates are 34 and 36. And so they're 2.5 back and on a six game losing streak. The Cubs are seven and 10, seven and three in their last 10. And then St. Louis, they're in a little two game winning streak. 8.5 out of first with a 29 and 43 record. So. Uh, hopefully, like I said, this is again, a chance to make some hay and you got a team in, in, in Pittsburgh that's hurting right now. Right. And the two teams, obviously, because they just played three days ago, are very familiar with each other. So see what happens. So you got Drew Smiley and, and as we talked about in the last time they faced each other, this is going to be a rematch of game two in the series. And that was when where Smiley gave up three home runs, uh, but the Cubs were able to get to the Pirates, but they struggled a little bit against Osvaldo Beto. So hopefully this time around uh, they can do a little bit better after seeing him so quickly on the turnaround. In a rematch of game three, Marcus Stroman, eight and four, 245 ERA is going to take on Johan Oviedo. And so the Cubs did well against him. And then it's an interesting matchup for game three. And this is one. Indeed. (laughs) 
I mean, this is going to be the professor versus the old man. You got Kyle Hendricks uh, in his land against Baltimore. Like I said, that was after that awesome start against San Francisco. He, the, I'm so glad the offense did well because he didn't have to, you know, he you were able to pull him after five and not worry too much. He gave up five hits and two runs. He just wasn't as efficient as last time out. Uh, against San Francisco, he had the one hitter. Uh, the, he had a no hitter going into the uh, through uh, seven and two thirds. Gave up a hit, and then in San Diego, he struggled. Six innings pitch, gave up six hits and four runs. Now, on the flip side, the Pirates for Game Three are going with former Cub Rich Hill, and and I like I said, I remember him in two thousand seven in the NLDS against the Arizona Diamondbacks, giving up a leadoff home run to Chris Young uh, against. Milwaukee. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't do bad. He went five innings, gave up three hits, three earned runs, but he had six walks and five strikeouts. So that's the thing about Hill. Is sometimes you can get that pinch count really elevated. Against the Mets, he went seven innings, gave up seven hits, two runs, two walks, six Ks. St. Louis, six point two, four hits, uh, one run, and uh, three walks to add six Ks. I don't. Uh, I don't know, man. I just don't like this matchup against the Cubs. I don't like Rich Hill. I just feel like he's going to be one of those annoying lefties that's going to be throwing garbage the whole time, and their Cubs are going to be swinging at their their bats like 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 trying to hit a mosquito. You know what I mean? And that game's going to start at about eleven fifteen, I think, our time on Wednesday. So an early early game three, get out of town, get on the bird, and go to London. Yep, little getaway day action, but uh, you know it, it's it's a it's it's a series that's going to be interesting. Now, we talked earlier in segment one about Christopher Morrell. You just can't get any hotter than this kid right now. Cannot get any hotter than that. Nine for his last 21 with a double, a triple, three home runs, 10 RBIs. Dustin, only four strikeouts in that time period. That's huge. So he is is unbelievable right now. Unbelievable. Right. He's slashing 429, 409, and 1,000. Also hot is Dansby Swanson, who's nine for his last 25. One home run, four RBIs, uh, five strikeouts to two walks. He's slashing 360, 407, and 480. Now, on the knot, you kind of expected it would take Cody Bellinger a little while to get back in it. He's two for his last 10 with an RBI, four strikeouts to one walk. So he's slashing 100, 182, 200. Seiya Suzuki has cooled off. Remember, he was hot for a long time. He's four for his last 25 with three RBIs. He's slashing 160, 250, 200. And the thing I noticed, Dustin, to me, um, is that I feel like both Saya and Dansby are guys that just get hot and then they get cold. You know, it's like, oh, man. And you just wonder how long it's going to – it's just not really, like, steady. You know what I mean? Right, right. So hopefully, you know, Dansby's hot. Now Saya's not. So I'd, I'd yeah, love to see – It'd be nice to get the two of them going at the same time. No doubt right. about it. And I think I think Swanson's benefiting from he's batting a little lower in the order, too. Right, and, and I think that's helped him. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Now, as far as hot for the Pirates, Carlos Santana, six for his last 19, two home runs, six RBIs. He's slashing 316, 333, 632. Um, also, you can take a look at Brian Reynolds in his last 20 at-bats. He has five hits, one walk, and five Ks. He's, he's a tough guy to get out, 250, 286, 350. So you could see a, a big drop off there. And then when you look at the bottom of the order, Jack Sawinski, you, you know, at least he's not playing at Wrigley. 
Um, but in his last 12 at bats, he only has two hits, but he also had those two hits for two home runs, right? Both solo shots, both against the Cubs, six walks, four strikeouts. So he has a slash of 167, 412, 667 slugging. So the trouble is, if you make a mistake against him, he's going to make you pay. Uh, the big issue that for Pittsburgh, and this was that injury against the White Sox we talked about uh, last time, was O'Neill Cruz. Their shortstops are doing nothing right now. They got one guy. Tucapita Marcano, who's hitting .091, and another guy, Rodolfo Castro, who's hitting .11. So neither of their shortstops are even hitting their weight. Now, and so let's hope that keeps going on. Yeah, it you you kind of figure that that's really what's going to happen, and that that's why the you know it really hurt them to lose O'Neill Cruz. All right, prediction time, Crowley. I feel like um, I like the fact that the Pirates are staggering right now, losing six in a row. Um, I like the Stroman against Oviedo matchup. I totally put that in the Cubs corner. The Drew, the other two are tough. So I'm going to go with the Cubs taking two of three because Pittsburgh's struggling and the Cubs are hot. I just, I don't know why I really am fearful of that Hendricks versus Hill matchup. I just, hopefully they can get Hill out early and get to the bullpen. Yeah. Two out of three. I'm with you Crowley on that. A little meatloaf action. Two out of three ain't bad. Um, that's uh, how I see this. I'm just hoping that the offense doesn't need to be uh, as on fire as it has been, but it definitely needs to be better than it was on Saturday and Sunday. This is what we talked about, Dustin. It's just finding a middle ground for this team. It just, it's either on or it's off. And we saw that in April when the Cubs were doing really good with runners in scoring position and the bullpen was doing good. And then in the month of May, you saw it being really bad and now good again in June you have to limit those extremes of the highs and the lows. If you can sit there and, okay, maybe have a couple, one or two games, and then come back to hitting some, maybe not 10 runs, but four or five runs, that'd be great. We just can't go from 10 runs to one run, from 16 hits to two hits. Can't be doing that all the time. Somewhere in the middle, a little middle ground. Right. That's all we're looking for, man. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, keep subscribing to the Fly the W podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W on Facebook, Instagram, and you can email us, flythew670gmail.com. And don't forget, you can watch us on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 The Score YouTube channel. We want to keep flying the dog. We want to keep flying the W. We don't want to fly the Jolly Roger. Go Cubs! It's all over.